Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Planet for Breakfast. Another gorgeous day here in paradise, 78 degrees, partly cloudy. Are we going to get any rain today? Nope, nothing in the forecast. Sun, 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 sun. Now it's all we're going to see is sunshine all the way till March, probably. We always get hammered, and we'll get one rain in November, maybe one rain in December or something. Not a good year we might get, too. We'll see. But we are ready to get going. So if you got your Bibles, make sure you are ready. We're in Jeremiah 36 and 37. But we will go into this day in trivia, October 27th. And uh, he, actually they have in their column for wise quotes, the Bible. Who knew? Do not correct a fool or he will hate you. Correct a wise man and he will appreciate you. Proverbs 9, 8. Glad they consider the Bible as part of the wise sayings of the world. Navy Day is observed uh, this day. It began in 1922. So happy birthday or congratulations, Navy people. Navy Day. Mm, the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, 1966. It first appeared on television on October 27, 1966. That was the first televised special um, of Charlie Brown based on the comic strip Peanuts by Charles Schultz. Interesting. And you, all you old rebels out there, Rebel Without a Cause appeared on this day, October 27, 1955. And if you remember the movie, you're older than me. Actually, I knew all about it, but never saw it. Walt Disneyland. October 27th, 1954. The Walt Disney Disneyland TV series debuts on ABC. Created by Walt Disney to help promote and finance the development of the Disneyland Amusement Park. I did not know that. Which opened the following year. So the stories all took place in Adventureland, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland, and Frontierland, which corresponded to the sections of the amusement park. It is the second longest running primetime show in America, after the Hallmark Channel, of course, and has run on all three major broadcast networks. It was hosted by Walt Disney from 1954 to 1966, and then Michael Eisner later till 2021, and then by Abigail Disney the great niece of Walt Disney. It's changed name, names a number of times. It's currently called The Wonderful World of Disney. Isn't that interesting? Been running since 1954. And the first Subway, 1904, October 27th, it opens. The first section of it opened in New York City, and it was the first underground and underwater subway in the world, 1904. And you, I can't even begin to imagine how many subways there are underground transportation in the world there are today. And Columbus discovers Juana this day in 1492. Who knew? Did you know he, he discovered Juana? He did. 1492. Where's Juana? Present day Cuba. 
he named it Wana. <laughs> Somebody else said, Chris, that's not a good name for, for a country, <laughs> a big island. We're going to name it Cuba after the cigars. Okay, I'm kidding. Um, there you go. So we will look over to the dad jokes this morning. Can you imagine if it was named Juana? <laughs> cigars would be called Juanas. <laughs> um, I'm glad he named it Cuba. What do you call bears with no ears? B. <laughs> right? Because ears is the rest of the word, right? You figure that out. What's the difference between a wizard who raises the undead and a sexy vampire? <laughs> One is a necromancer and the other is a neck romancer. Okay, that's so little weird. I'll do another one. A man walks into a magic forest and tries to cut down a talking tree. You can't cut me down, the tree complains. I'm a talking tree. The man responds, you may be a talking tree, but you will die a log. Die a log. <laughs> uh, where do they come up with these? All right. If you're ready, let's get over into the Word. Father God, thank you for this morning. And we ask that you guide us as we look in deep into these things in your Word and these prophecies. Thank you for giving us your Word. Thank you for the prophetic, Father in that we know the future before it happens. We see these things and we marvel at your perfection. Now you desire to let your children know about what this world is all about, where it's going, and how we need to respond to it. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah 36. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll and write on it all the words which I have spoken to you concerning Israel and concerning Judah and concerning all the nations from the first day I spoke to you from the days of Josiah even to this day. Perhaps the house of Judah will hear all the calamity which I plan to bring on them in order that every man will turn from his evil way. Then it will forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah. And Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken to him. Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am restricted. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. So you go and read from the scroll which you have written at my dictation the words of the Lord to the people of the Lord's house on a fast day. And also you should read them to all the people of Judah who come from their cities. Perhaps their supplication will come before the Lord, and everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and the wrath of the Lord that the Lord has pronounced against this people. Baruch, the son of Neriah, did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book of the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Now, in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. And Baruch read from the book the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord in the chamber of Jeremiah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe in the upper court at the entry 
of the new gate of the Lord's house to all the people. Now when Micaiah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Shaphan, had heard all the words of the Lord from the book, he went down to the king's house into the scribe's chamber, and behold, all the officials were sitting there. Elshama, the scribe, and Deliah, the son of Shemaiah, and Elnathan, the son of Akbor, and Jeremiah, the son of Shaphan, and Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the other officials. Micaiah declared to them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read from the book of the people. Then all the officials sent to Hudai, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Shalemiah, the son of Cushi, to Baruch, saying, Take in your hand the scroll from which you have read to the people and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand and went to them. They said to him, Sit down, please, and read it to us. So Baruch read it to them. When they heard all the words, they turned in fear one to another and said to Baruch, We will surely report all these words to the king. And they asked Baruch, saying, Tell us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? Baruch said to them, He dictated these words to me, and I wrote them in ink on this book. Then the officials said to Baruch, Go hide yourself, you and Jeremiah, and do not let anyone know where you are. So they went to the king and the court, but they had deposited the scroll in the chamber of Elshama, the scribe, and they reported the words to the king. Then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and he took it out of the chamber of Elshama, the scribe. And Jehudi read it to the king, as well as all the officials who stood beside the king. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning in the brazier before him. When Judy read the scroll of the four columns, the king cut it with the scribe's knife and threw it into the fire that was in the brazier until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the brazier. Yet the king and all his servants who heard these words were not afraid, nor did they rend their garments, even though Elnathan and Deliah and Jeremiah pleaded with the king not to burn the scroll, but he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jerumiel, the king's son, Sarariah, the son of Azrael, and Shalomiah, the son of Abdil, to seize Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah the prophet. But the Lord hid them. Verse 27, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after the king had burned the scroll, and the words which Baruch had written at the dictation of Jeremiah, saying, Take again another scroll, and write on it all the former words which were on the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, burned. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, Thus says the Lord, You have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written on it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land, and will make man and beast to cease from it? Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, He shall have no one to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast into the heat of the day and the frost of the night. I will also punish him and his descendants and his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring on them and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the men of Judah all the calamity that I have declared to them. But they did not listen. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the scribe. And he wrote on it, at the dictation of Jeremiah, all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And many similar words were added to them. Chapter 37. Now Zedekiah, 
the son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had made king in the land of Judah, reigned as king in the place of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim. But neither he nor his servants nor his people of the land listened to the words of the Lord which he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. Yet King Zedekiah sent Jehuchal, the son of Shalomiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Maashiah, the priest, to Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Please pray to the Lord for our God on our behalf. Now Jeremiah was still coming in and out among the people, but they had not yet put him in prison. Meanwhile, Pharaoh's army had sent out from Egypt, and when the Chaldeans who had been besieging Jerusalem heard the report about them, they lifted the siege from Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Thus you are to say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come out for your assistance, is going to return to its own land of Egypt. The Chaldeans will also return and fight against the city, and they will capture it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, Do not deceive yourselves, saying the Chaldeans will surely go away from us, for they will not go. For even if you had defeated the entire army of Chaldeans who were fighting against you, and there were only wounded men left among them, each man in his tent, they would rise up and burn this city with fire. Now it happened when the army of the Chaldeans had lifted the siege from Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's army, that Jeremiah went out from Jerusalem to go to the land of Benjamin in order to take possession of some property there among the people. While he was at the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the guard whose name was Erijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah, was there, and he arrested Jeremiah the prophet, saying, You are going over to the Chaldeans. But Jeremiah said, A lie. I'm not going over to the Chaldeans. Yet he would not listen to him. So Erijah arrested Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. Then the officials were angry with Jeremiah and beat him. And they put him in jail in the house of Jonathan the scribe, which they had made into a prison. For Jeremiah had come into the dungeon, that is, the vaulted cell, and Jeremiah stayed there many days. Now King Zedekiah sent and took him out. And in his place, the king secretly asked him and said, Is there a word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. Then he said, You will be given into the hand of the king of Babylon. Moreover, Jeremiah said to King Zedekiah, In what way have I sinned against you, or against your servants, or against this people, that you have put me in prison? Where then are your prophets who prophesied to you, saying, The king of Babylon will not come against you or against this land? But now please listen, O my lord the king. Please let my petition come before you. Do not make me return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, that I may not die there. And King Zedekiah gave commandment, and they committed Jeremiah to the court of the guardhouse and gave him a loaf of bread daily from the baker's street until all the bread of the city was gone. So Jeremiah remained in the court of the guardhouse. Not easy to be a prophet. Imagine this man being completely faithful to to God in all that he was doing, and he never saw a response. Never saw anybody really turn from the Lord that, that said, I, I want to obey. He had a few people that were were trying, I guess, initially, took in the, taking the word to the king and trying to do their best, but um, nothing really happened. And instead, they beat him. And he's trying to model to them, we're going to go through this, we're going to come out, I'm going to go take possession of my land just to show you guys 
this is not the end of Israel. It's the discipline of Israel, and we need to take it. We need to accept we've sinned against God, receive it, learn from it, and then we're going to come out and be better for it. But instead, they beat him and imprison him, and are looking, you know, for to do him harm. He writes these scrolls. The idiocy of what these kings were doing, they knew Yahweh had prophets. They knew God spoke to the prophets. And so they surround themselves with false prophets to hear what they want to hear. But when the true prophet comes and gives them the true word of God, and it comes true, they punish him? That's just what he's saying. He's like, all your guys said these Babylonians never going to come, and you treated them well. I said they're going to come, you treated me bad. Now when they do come, you want to put me in prison? When my word came true and theirs didn't, that's backwards. Trying to reason with him. But this is the condition of the unregenerate human heart. <laughs> we know the Bible says in the, in the end days, men will basically look for prophets that will tell them what they want to hear, have their ears tickled, and they won't listen to the truth of what is out there, that it is coming. This is why we have so many doctrines that have developed around the end times to say, no, 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 no tribulation. That happened in 70 AD. That's, no, it's not future, it's past. And, um, or the millennium not even going to happen. That's, that's, no, that's allegorical. We're just going to wait for Jesus to come back. Everything's going to be fine. And no judgment. We don't want to talk about judgment. Uh, God's going to receive everybody. Everybody's going to go to heaven. So we have all of these things today. The same thing is going on back then. We are not that different from the time when Jeremiah was prophesying, Babylonians are coming, and they're going to destroy this place. We are in a very similar situation, and yet most of us are just taking the scroll and throwing it into the fire. Eh, I can't believe that stuff. When nobody's going to touch us, we have technology, we have prosperity, we have our big bombs and our big missiles and big airplanes. Nobody's going to touch us. Yet we know that it is going to happen because all the prophecies have come true in the past. Everything God's ever said is going to happen has happened, and so we know it's going to happen again. Don't be like Zedekiah. Don't be like Joachim. Don't be like uh, Coniah. Be like um, Jeremiah. Baruch. Baruch was a cool guy. He wrote it down says, guys, this is really real, and... Uh, and he went and shared it, the news. That's what we got to do. Philippians 3, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me. And it is a safeguard to you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are all the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisees, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is in the law found blameless. But whatever things were a gain to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith 
in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or I've already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal and the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude. God will reveal that to you also. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory for the exaltation of the power that he has even subject all things to himself. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, that whole chapter is just amazing. There's so much there. Like, where do you even begin? Obviously, there was false teachers in there around them. And it sounds just like they had prosperity teachers back then that were all about the money and all about the glorification of the human condition in the spiritual world that you can have it all and you can be victorious and you can conquer and have um, all the money you want and all the power and position and all these kinds of things. There were people who exalted in themselves. There were people who were looking to things that were not godly. And Paul says, I tell you this weeping, there's people in the church that are far away from God's standard of what he wants for us. And what did he want for us to be rejoicing that we're saved? Paul says, man, if anybody could boast and say that there were something and have people praise them and look to them and follow them and give them money and all that kind of stuff, it would be me because I was the Hebrew of Hebrew and I did all of these all of these things for the nation of Israel and I was considered myself the most godly of all and persecutor. And so he was famous. Paul was famous in his own right in, in Israel. And he says, I was famous. I count all of that as loss, just for the surpassing glory of, knowledge, of and the knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, I, I count all that as rubbish. That was nothing in this world. Now, he says, what I want to do is trying to attain to that which I would laid hold of me. God laid hold of him on the road to Damascus and called him and says, I want you to be my servant. Follow me. What Paul is really getting after is sanctification, becoming more like Christ, less like himself. The Zach Williams song is a great song. Um, that On that whole theme, I'll be more like Jesus and less like me. This is what he's talking about. Now, when I was first saved, I was didn't know anything, and I read that here in Philippians, and it threw me because I thought, you know what? 
um, my salvation was so amazing to me in my own little mind that I could possibly be saved, that it was that I had been so radically transformed and forgiven of my sin. I thought there's no way that it's going to stick or that God's going to, you know, he's going to get tired of me. And God say, I made a mistake with him and throw me back to, into the rubbish heap. That I took those verses to mean that when he says, I've not yet laid hold of it, but I press on to uh, to lay hold of that which laid hold of me. And, and I took that to mean that Paul was saying that salvation is a process that we kind of get, again, it doesn't make sense, but you kind of get half saved and that you're kind of earthly saved, but you're not heavenly saved, and you have to work towards getting to the point where <laughs> you've laid hold of it through obedience and being a good person and, and trying your best to serve God, then you can lay hold of that, which was laid hold of you. I said I was very confused, and uh, when I went to my first missions conference and we had a Bible study, it was all in Philippians, apparently, and that verse came up, and they asked me what I thought about it. And I said, well, and I explained my view. And they were like, no, that's not what it says. And I went, well, that's how I feel. That's like, I feel like I haven't really laid hold of it yet, but I hope that I, you know, I'm trying to get there and you know, hope God will accept me. And these poor mature believers were looking at me and shaking their head and just going, no, you're, you're missing the whole point. So I don't want any of you to be, miss the point like I did. The whole thing is about us. Being what was laid hold of us was salvation. Christ came in and got a hold of you and said, you're mine, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And what he wants for us now is to die even more to ourselves. We already are redeemed and be more like him in serving and putting off the things of the flesh so that we can be useful vessels for him in the kingdom. That's what Paul wanted to be, is useful in the kingdom. And so he said, I'm not laid hold of that yet. And this is Paul, of course, who was beaten and, you know, sleeping in the worst places and doing anything for the Lord. So if he hadn't laid hold of it yet, I guess we all have a long way to go. But he said, uh, but I, I press on for the upward call of Christ Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm pressing on. And that's a glorious future. That's a great hope for us that we're pressing on. We're not there yet in, in our being, well, he would say perfected in being completed in our service, in our hearts. And it is that daily process of sanctification, of uh, saying, Lord, I'm, I really want to be more like you today and less like me. Please help me. Charles Spurgeon, I'm sure he's got a lot to say about this. In service, face, name. I guess that's the title. His servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their forehead. Revelation 22, 3 and 4. Three choice blessings will be ours in the glory land. His servants shall serve him. No other lords shall possess us. No other service shall distress us. We shall serve Jesus always, perfectly, without weariness and without error. This is heaven to a saint, and all things to serve the Lord Christ and to be owned by him as his servant is our soul's high ambition for eternity. And they shall see his face. This makes the service delightful. Indeed, it is the present reward for service. We shall know our Lord, for we shall see him as he is. To see the face of Jesus is the utmost favor that the most faithful servant of the Lord can ask. 
What more could Moses ask than, Let me see thy face? And his name shall be on their foreheads. They gaze upon their Lord till his name is photographed upon their brow. They are acknowledged by him, and they acknowledge him. The secret mark of inward grace develops into the public sin manual of confessed relationship. O Lord, give us these three things and their beings here, that we may possess them in their fullness to thine own abode of bliss. Father, we do pray for those things. We desire that people see that you're imprinted on us. We desire God to see your face. We desire God to be owned by you and directed. We know we are what we desired. We desire, Father, that day when this all these things will become a greater reality than the reality that we experience now on this earth, something we cannot conceive of. But we thank you that your heaven and your presence is the most real thing that has ever existed as we now find out from all of our scientists friends that are scrambling to interpret reality in the physical universe that everything seems to be some kind of a hologram some kind of um something that that doesn't have physicality or reality to it because all these things are just a mere uh, mist the world we live in is going to fade away into the greater reality, that which you have established, which is the new heaven and the new earth and our presence with you. You have created us, God, for that, for fellowship with you. We are ultimately created to be with you, and so you are going to give us those glorified, resurrected bodies and a place to dwell with you for all eternity. And so in that, God, we thank you. And we thank you that you are doing a wondrous work. We desire, Father, to lay hold of that which laid hold of us. Your presence, your reality being completely manifest in our presence so that we know that we are yours completely and always. No other gods, no other distractions. Thank you for this knowledge. Thank you for the beauty of it. And Father, in that mindset, we now ask that you use us and guide us in the days that we have left to be with you, that you show us, God, the, the areas where you want us to um, to minister, the things that you want us to do, Father, in for your kingdom or by your direction. Thank you for the people you put in our life. Help us, God, to see the... Um, the opportunities that you're opening up to us of sharing the gospel, of work, of different blessings you brought into our life. Help us, God, be aware of the time we live in and this coming year, which seems, Father, if we're being told the truth, seems to be a, a turning point once again in our world where we are going to see a number of things happen that we have not seen happen ever before. And we don't know how that's what exactly what it's going to look like. But God, just prepare us and help us to be strong and to know the God that we serve and to be ready to share the gospel, to give an answer to anybody that asks us. So God, we pray for these things. We pray for Juan Carlos' continued healing. Maria Elena, we pray for her, for Karen Scoob. Definitely lift up her that she's getting really a lot of healing and that her treatments have worked. 
We want to be uh, thanking for so many other people getting treatments. Adam, uh, Lou, and Ray's friend, that he's getting healed. God, we know that's a that's a huge miracle, but we know we're, you can do it. We're asking for that. We're asking for others that are finding out that they have chronic diseases or situations, even even body parts that are worn out. God, that you could heal those things. So we lift them up to you. Lift you. Lift up, God, those that are coming to know you in a much deeper way. Thank you for church last night. Thank you for developing and a true understanding of the Word of God for so many people now and, and for those new people that came last night, that you would touch them, God, the new believers that are just now getting their hearts opened up to understand what your Word really says. May you do a work, God, in them, a mighty work. And thank you for the way you are bringing new people in, bringing people back. We know there's going to be a lot of people coming back this fall and this winter uh, and maybe for the first time in the last two years. So we thank you for that and look forward to that fellowship. God, we give you all praise and glory for this day and praise you, God, for the things you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. There we go. We are done for today. We're going to continue on moving right through Jeremiah. I love this book. And Philippians 2, two of the sweetest books you can read just to get a perspective of God's powers, glory, and love. Pretty amazing. So we will pick it up tomorrow, continue on. And uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Make sure you tell people about the podcast, too, if they can't make the live um, service. Of course, you can always catch this on a rerun on Facebook or YouTube as well, recorded. But the uh, podcast is all cleaned up, and uh, <laughs> all my little faux pas and errors are taken out, so it flows a little better. So check out the podcast if you want to on any of the streaming services under Manna for Breakfast. So we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.